Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, well, it is so good to uh, be here with you guys. Uh, As Amber said, we are on part three of our series going through the, the book of James. Uh, And today we are picking up right where we left off last week, looking at James chapter 2, starting in verse 14 to 26. And we'll read that text in a moment. Uh, But as we look at this, what I want us to do is get into this headspace of like thinking about when we have had to count the cost in our lives. Right? And we've all had to. We've all had to, to count the cost, to give up something good for something that is even better. And as many of you guys know, I just finished nine years of school, including six years of seminary. Woot woot. And uh, after getting my bachelor's degree, Amber and I uh, talked uh, in depth and for a long time about continuing this journey for another six years going to seminary. Right? And we knew that it was going to be very, very costly. Right? And not uh, just financially, but costly in our relationship and in our relationship with others. You know, I don't know how many lazy Sunday mornings we missed, right? Or these uh, times hanging out, going out with friends or, or date nights, right? And in addition to maybe social things that we had to give up, right? There's also this added burden of school to-do lists on top of work to-do lists and family to-do lists and stuff to do around the home, right? And so we knew that it was a, a big decision and we didn't take it lightly. But as we prayed, we really felt like this was the path that God had called us to. And so we were willing to count the cost. And we were willing to pursue this. And now on the other side of it, we're very, very excited right, about the, this, this new opportunity. And we're so glad that we did. But we recognize you know, that it was costly. And so when have you had to count the cost? Right, we all do this when we uh, balance our, our budget. Right? There's this boat that I really, really want, but I know that if I buy that boat, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. Right? And so I'm like, it's not worth it. And I know many of us here in Vandalia love Settlers of Catan. Right? Settlers of Catan is just a big game of counting the cost. Right? Am I going to put my meeple here in the middle of the woods and the mountains for the, the stone and the wood? Or am I going to put it over here where the possibility of the die rolling a, a six or an eight is much more likely? Right? We're always counting the costs. Many of us have had to count the cost of a toxic relationship that we recognize, you know what, that's just not worth it. And as we look at the book of James, we see that these readers, because of their faith, have already paid a great cost. It had cost them homes, it had cost them security and family, economic opportunity, and it even had affected uh, and it cost them their confidence in what the future holds. It seems pretty applicable to us today. Right? And, and in many ways, these scattered believers had lost everything because of their faith, and yet James calls them to continue on the path to Jesus. 
to continue day in and day out to take up their crosses and to follow Jesus. To live lives that are full of compassion and kindness and humility. Lives of gentleness and patience in the middle of their disrupted and in the middle of their incredibly difficult lives. Right? Follow the way of Jesus. Show his love even though you're living in turmoil and in exile. And what we learn from James is that saving faith doesn't passively wait for Jesus to come back. Saving faith isn't just this kind of mental assent to Jesus, but it responds, saving faith responds to the costly call of discipleship. Jesus' call is this in Luke 14. He says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Right? And so carrying a cross right, in the original hearers would have understood right, that is, a, is a, a, a vehicle of death. We are carrying the vehicle of our own death on our backs. That is what following Jesus looks like. And if you don't do that, you can't be my disciples. A few verses later, he says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Right, so the cost of following Jesus is high. And we need to recognize that. And we need to ask ourselves, am I willing to pay the cost to be a real Jesus follower? And this active, taking up our cross, living lives of compassion and, and love for others and humility and gentleness, right? This is the faith of the Christ follower. This is the faith that saves us from hell. This is the faith that ushers in the kingdom into this world. This is the real faith that is founded on an eternal hope not hope in temporary comforts. And in our culture, it's very, very easy, it's very common to have faith that doesn't intersect with our lives. It's easy to post Bible verses on social media. Right? We can even turn up for church. We can consistently practice our, our morning prayers and our Bible reading. Right? But we, if we see that our lives are still full of sexual immorality and lust, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, filthy language, right? All these things that, that we, we see the, the, the kingdom of darkness described as in the New Testament, right? When we're full of these things, we find that we are not... The, the true, faithful Jesus follower that we want to be. And James is calling his readers and he's calling us today not to live like this. Right? This is, this is what we're talking about here, this kind of talking about Jesus on one side and living worldly on the other side. This is the life of the double-minded. This is the person who's trying to walk the path of Jesus and the path of evil desire at the same time. And James says that this kind of a person is unstable in everything they do. 
Right? So they're trying to jump back and forth from the way of Jesus to the way of the world or to the way of their own desires, right? And they are unstable in both worlds. And we've all been this person. Right? This is a ch- like I I left uh, last Sunday going, man, that was a hard that was a hard message, and I felt convicted. Right? But man, today this message is man maybe even more convicting. But we need to hear it as the word of God for us today, because we have all been this person. We've all been double-minded, but we can learn to recognize it. Right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can more and more learn to recognize when we are acting out of this sin nature. We can recognize when we're starting to, to walk down this path of, of desire. And then when we recognize it, we can quickly repent and we can jump back into the way of Jesus, into the way of the cross. As we confess our sins, right, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And he welcomes us back with open arms. Following Jesus, being a disciple, is costly. So let's turn to our passage today. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. Right, and there's actually not a lot to add here in, into this section of James, right? He really sums it up well, but I'm going to say some words anyway, because that's what I get to do. And so James here is, he's laying out a very real-life application, right? This real-life application of these two paths, the way of Jesus and the way of desire. What we see is there's this person who is without clothes, and he is without food, so what are you going to do. And the person on the path of desire says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but doesn't do anything about the physical needs. Right? This person may have belief, but there's no faith in action. The person on the way of Jesus meets the need, right? Just like the, the story of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, the way of Jesus lays down rights. It lays down efficiency. It lays down our own plans and, and desires to serve those in need. And in seminary, they say you should never be the hero of your own uh, story, but I'm going to be the hero in, the, in this story. So it's too good, right? And there's this, and actually I do a lot of self-deprecating stories. So this is one that makes me look good. Yay. Um, and so in this story, not the story, in this real life, it was last, not this Easter, but the Easter before that, this guy had joined our uh, breakfast, you know, we do that brunch kind of thing, and this guy turns up, and he's got this huge backpack, and this fishing pole, and he, he's got this very kind of weathered, sunburnt skin, and I, so we're talking to him, and find out this guy had walked 
from like Georgia or something up to Three Rivers to uh, to visit his daughter or somebody that, that lived in Three Rivers, and, and I was just talking to him. I was like, "That's in, that's incredible. Who would who would do that?" And he's showing me pictures of when he was caught in a thunderstorm, and this nice police officer picked him up and drove him to somewhere he could stay dry. And here's a picture of the rainbow, and he's talking about just the the great time that he's had walking from Georgia to Three Rivers. And we just were talking, we're like, all right, we'll have a great day. And after church, I'm looking around and, and he's gone. And so uh, I'm driving back home down M60 and I see him on, on the side of the road. Um, and I pull over and I'm like, hey, man, are you heading to Three Rivers? I'm going right through there. Do you want to, you want to jump in and, and, I'll, and I'll take you there? And he's like, that's, that's great. Um, and it's Easter, so I kind of wanted to get home, right, to, to get to Easter dinner and, and family time. But this, you know, there's this opportunity. And so we're driving and we're talking. He's sharing some more stories. And he's like, man, I used to. Uh, live on Coon Hollow Road, right? Could we just swing by the house real quick? And at this point, he'd still not told me where I'm taking him and where he wants me to drop him off. And so I'm like, okay, fine. We'll go to your old house on Coon Hollow Road. And, uh, and we pull up. He's like, stop right here. And so I stop in front of the house, and there's these two or three people just sitting on the front porch. And this guy, I wish I could remember his name, he gets out of the car and just walks up to the front porch. And I'm just like, well, what am I supposed to do now, right? Like this, I, I don't understand. And, and so I get out of the car and I go up there and he's like, I used to live here and my room was over here and we had a dog and it was over here. And these people are like, oh, that's great. We bought it this time and yada, yada. He's like, they're like, why don't you come on in? And I'm like, come in, what are you talking about? And so we go in and he's like pointing things out about the house and telling stories and they're telling stories. And I probably hung out at these complete strangers with this other stranger for like 15 or 20 minutes before they're finally like saying their goodbyes. And I'm like, what is happening here? And, and uh, then he's like, hey, can you take me over to the Home Depot? And I was like, yes, I'll take you to the Home Depot wherever you want to go. And uh, so we went over there and prayed together and he, he went into Home Depot and I've, I've not seen him since, right? And, but it was this opportunity that I had, right, to step in and go, hey, you know what, I might not be able to, you know, help this guy much, but I can love him and I can sacrifice a little bit of time, even on Easter, to show him Jesus. And it was a, it was a great, great time. And so this is what active faith looks like. You know, it just doesn't have to be hard, but it is going to cost us something. Because faith serves. Faith meets real needs of real people. Okay, so moving on. In verse 18, James says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. This verse should give us pause. It should be, whoa, whoa, even the demons believe. And this word that is translated here as believe and all the other words that are translated faith, that is the exact same Hebrew word, right? It's this little word. Uh, I can't remember what it is now. I should have written it in my notes. I think it's pistis. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's the same word, right? These demons have some level of faith. 
but obviously they're not saved. And so what we, we want to recognize is that saving faith and active faith are inseparable. And when we look at faith or belief alone, we see that it is just mental assent. It is a, a recognition that Jesus is real. Maybe he is uh, the, the, the Messiah. Maybe he is who he said he is. But that belief has not led to a bending of the knee to King Jesus. Right? That is saving faith. When we bend our knee, bend our will, bend our desires, give up everything, our own rights, and give ourselves fully to King Jesus. And if we're not doing that, what we have is what a scholar by the name of Michael Horton calls Christless Christianity. And what some people uh, call I learned this term in seminary, moral therapeutic deism. Moral therapeutic deism. Right, and this is defined as, number one, a, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Yes, there's something out there that exists, and he created things, and he's watching. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. In this Christless Christianity, moral therapeutic deism, there's this idea that the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Right? We see this all over the place, in the church and outside of the church. Right? Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Right? How many of us have bought into that? Right? We keep God at a distance. Maybe we keep God to Sunday mornings or when all hell is breaking loose in our life and then we reach out and then we need him. But if things are going good, you know, he's fine where he is. I don't need him interacting in my life too much. And finally, uh, moral therapeutic deism says that good people go to heaven when they die. But this isn't Christianity. This isn't the Christian faith. The Christian faith is believing that Jesus Christ lived and died and was resurrected. And now he is reigning as king. And we enter into life as we submit to his lordship and follow him on the way of the cross. Right? That is the faith. This is Christless Christianity. And this requires nothing of us. And it gives us nothing. But being a disciple of Jesus costs us everything. But in it, we find life. We find liberty. We find joy. We find peace. As we submit to Jesus, even in the chaos of this COVID pandemic world that we're living in, we have hope and peace. Right? We know that no matter what happens, live or die, we have an eternal hope. And this life is just a vapor, and we are going to stay on the path of Jesus. We are going to run after him. 
We are going to usher in kingdom characteristics. We're going to bring heaven to earth through our lives as we submit to his lordship and his rulership. James continues, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? That's strong language, useless. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Oh, I gotta go here. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Right? Faith without deeds in verse 20 is useless. Here in 26, faith without deeds is dead. And then he gives us these two examples of active faith. These, this act of faith that everybody uh, that he's speaking to would have known these stories inside and out. They're Abraham and Rahab. Abraham was the, the first patriarch of ancient Israel. He, it was promised that through him right, would come this great nation. And even though he was uh, old and his, his wife Sarah was old and they were childless, right? They were kind of holding on to this promise, sometimes well and sometimes really, really poorly. But eventually, right, through all these ups and downs, Abraham and Sarah has a son and they name him Isaac and they are overjoyed, right? Isaac means to laugh and they're so happy we have finally got a, a son, but God, as many of us know the story, God puts Abraham to the test. He commands him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And we know that Abraham trusted God. He was willing to, to sacrifice Isaac, but at the last moment, God intervenes and saves the son. Right, Abraham was willing to put his faith into action, laying down his joy, laying down the thing that he had looked forward to and prayed about and longed for for his entire life. This thing that seemed to be the fulfillment of the promise of God. It says, and so imagine all the questions swirling in his mind, but he, he knew he heard the voice of God and he said, whatever you say, Lord, I have learned to trust you. And James says that Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. Right? Faith and actions are inseparable. 
And we learn that perfect faith is produced through faithful obedience. It is produced through enduring, running after Jesus, staying on the the path of life, which is also the path of Jesus, the way of the cross. It looks like death, but as we stay there, as we submit to him, we find life. We find that our faith is perfected. Then the next story, Rahab, she's this woman from Jericho, right, when Israel is first uh, invading the, the promised land. So this is a little bit later after the, the story of Abraham. But, but uh, Rahab, she hides these two spies and helps them escape from the king of Jericho. And she chooses to align herself with the Lord after she and the, the people of Jericho had heard about how God had brought Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, had defeated Egypt. Right? And she'd heard these stories and she chooses to put her trust in God, giving up her national allegiance, giving up her job, giving up her security in Jericho with these huge, impregnable, undestroyable walls, right? In order to align herself with the invisible God. She puts her faith in action. And both Abraham and Rahab could have taken the path of desire, the way of human wisdom, right? Abraham could have uh, gone, that's crazy, I'm not hearing that right. I'm going to just, you know, me and Isaac and Sarah, we're just going to hang out and enjoy life together. This is going to be great. Right? Or Rahab could have put her faith in the mighty walls of, of Jericho, right? In the, the power of, of that nation. But she chose to put her faith in God. And that's what we're called to do. Faith is costly. The path of Jesus calls us to lay down our rights, to lay down our will, and to submit to Jesus as king. And he has led the way. He's laid down his life for us. He has sent the, the Holy Spirit to in, indwell us, to empower us, and to transform us. Because as we all know, right, we don't have the, the, the power, we don't have the ability to stay on the path of Jesus. Right? We're broken and we're fallen. Right? We see every story in the Bible from, from Adam and Eve, right, through uh, the, the patriarchs, through the, the time of judges, through the, the monarchy, through the, the exile of Israel, and even their return, and they always fall short. Right? They always fail. And, and so God brings the new covenant. He brings Jesus to fulfill what we're unable to do. And as we step into him, we are righteous. We fulfill the law in Christ as we put our faith in him, as we bend our knee to him. And as we are filled with the spirit, right, we are able to do what he did. We are able to die to ourselves. We're able to, to lay our lives down and follow the way of Jesus. Because Jesus led the way. Because Jesus gave us his spirit. Because Jesus empowers us. And so because of that, right, we can count the cost. Right? We know that we have an eternal hope. 
We know that Jesus is coming back to set all things right again. We know that even when we find ourselves on the path of desire, we can recognize it. We can step back onto the path of Jesus, and he is waiting there with open arms. So as we close this morning, let's just take a minute to turn to Jesus. Let's take a minute to turn to Jesus and to repent. So would you close your eyes with me? Jesus, I repent of my sin. I repent of not putting my faith into action. Lord, I recognize that so often it is easier just to have faith without actions. Forgive me and show me how to get onto the path of life to follow you and to die to myself. Lord Jesus, I ask that today, Lord, that this week you would show me times in my life where I'm not putting faith into action. Lord, help me to be faithful like Abraham and Rahab. Help me to follow you with everything that I have. And if you're tuning in today and you have never bowed your knee to Jesus, if you have, maybe you've bought into this Christless Christianity, would you pray with me now? Would you repent of your sins and step into abundant life, real life that is only found and is only secure in Jesus Christ? So pray with me, would you? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. And if you prayed that with me this morning, I just encourage you to to reach out to me, mark at newdaycommunity.org. You can send me a private message on Facebook. However you need to get a hold of me, go for it. Uh, and, and, and I would love to help you walk this out, right? To, to run after Jesus, to follow the path of life, right? We'll bless you. And uh, we're so grateful for you joining with us. Uh, thank you. Have a fantastic Sunday. And we bless you. Amen.